true even the valley is higher ground especially when he's there and i hope and pray that you came this morning uh, expecting to receive a blessing usually 
Uh, whatever you look for, you will see. Whatever you hunt for, you will find. And uh, if you search for the positive, you'll find that. Search for the negative, you'll find that. Uh, if you uh, look for what God has in store for you this morning, you'll find that. And so this morning, a simple subject, yet very profound on the subject of born again, a changed life. Whenever you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whenever you prayed and asked Him to be your Savior, whether your prayer was two seconds or 20 minutes long, it doesn't matter. Some point in time, you, Jesus came in. He came into there. It was at a matter of faith, a point in time. The Bible is very clear. When you get saved, things change. When you get saved, there's such thing as a changed life, and it happens. And so I hope and pray that, number one, that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And starting out with this very simplistic scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It's a great verse to commit to memory it's also a great verse to mark in your bible maybe say oh i need to remember that maybe if you write certain things in the front there's usually in your bible there's a few blank pages in the front and a few after and you may put some stuff in there stuff you want to remember this is a, a great one to remember let's stand for the reading of god's holy word just to, i know you've been stretching keep that blood flow going and uh Keep it, keep it happening. The Bible says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's pretty cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to talk about what you do and your work in our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring God's word with standing. And whenever it says, and we'll get in there in just a second, and the King James uses this, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It means a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's just talk about this uh, change. There's, there's changes that take place whenever you and I get saved. There's... Uh, <clears throat> There's such things as people, obviously, that are lost, that may be lost, that may, you, <clears throat> there may be a, a lost church member here today. And so I just want to get all my different notes here, flip them around, therefore, there we go. And uh, we'll just talk about all these for just a second. Uh, lost members and also backslidden church members, what are these? Let's kind of go over these that's kind of it's in your introduction in your outline if you have a, a bulletin uh, the, the very first church that was ever organized jesus christ established this matter of fact uh, like i mentioned earlier some people think organized religion but jesus organized an institution a mechanism and jesus didn't come up with this right here he didn't come up with building designs. Matter of fact, most of our building designs are borrowed from other denominations. And so that's where we get our ideas. There's 
Jesus didn't organize the building. He organized a group of people. It's called a church. You could have, I guarantee you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Church, church problems and things happen. It'll, even if you never built a building, if you just had church in your house, you'd still have somebody that walked into, say you had church in your house, you'd still have this. I've been sitting on that end of the couch for 30 years. That's my end of the couch. Anybody that comes into new, this new church, you've got to sit somewhere else. So it doesn't matter church problems or church problems, no matter whether that's your pew or there's your pew. Or even if you didn't have a church building, there's still going to be people problems. It don't matter about buildings, okay? Because most of us, we have problems when we look horizontally and we look at each other when our eyes need to be on Christ. So, but if you're saved, it really helps in those things. <laughs> if you're saved and know Jesus Christ, it helps you whenever we look horizontally and we see our own faults, our own mistakes, our own failures. So, Lost Church members, the very first church had one. It was, his name was Judas. And, uh, he behaved the, the Bible and even the Old Testament knew that he didn't force him to make the choices he made. They just knew ahead of time the choices that he would make. Talking about uh, Judas, okay, Iscariot. And then there's backslidden church members. And uh, what is a backslidden church member? A backslidden church member is just this. It just means that you've got something between you and God. Something is between, it's, and that's called an idol, by the way. But anything could come between you and God. You can be saved. God is your heavenly Father but something is between you and God this morning. That means you're backslidden. Folks, I've been backslidden. We, you may have a day of this week that you're backslidden. You may go a whole week being backslidden. You may go a whole month being backslidden. And some people have gone years being backslidden. And then <clears throat> let's go on looking at the next point. What makes a Christian different? You know, what makes a Christian different is this. Is, <clears throat> matter of fact, um, when I walked up to Ted yesterday, I said, uh, and he start, the way he started talking, and I listened to him for a second, and I started, and then I said, I, look, well, this is a neat opportunity. So I said, are, are you a Christian? And he said, well, I, I know the Lord, but I'm not really a Christian. And what I gathered after talking to him some more was that he says, I don't always live like I should. And that's true. So what makes us different? If you're saved, what makes you different is you've got the Holy Spirit of God living. Therefore, if any man be in, back to our text, in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new, which means this, you have a new desire. You have a new want to. And so I, what makes me different is now. You're not, folks, being saved doesn't mean, well, I've got to break some bad habits. No, being saved means I have a new want to, a new desire. The things I used to want to do, I don't want to do anymore. It doesn't mean my body doesn't crave them. It doesn't mean my flesh doesn't want that. It means, but now I've got a new desire inside of me. And it may be a battle taking place. Which desire are you going to follow? <clears throat> and so what makes a Christian different is that you have Jesus living inside of you. Which kind of brings up that next point. There's no such thing as a mean Christian. 
Did have you say, well, Brother Michael, you know, I know some Christians and they ain't too nice. Well, that's a, that's a, what you would call, if you're a grammarian, an oxymoron, okay? Which means an apparent contradiction. You, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, they're a little bit big. You know, what, what does that mean? A little bit big. Well, that's a, that's a contradiction. You know, so you can't have big and small at the same time. You can't have a, 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 a darkness and light at the same time. They, they contradict each other. And according to the Bible, according to the Bible, if I'm saved and if I'm living for Jesus, if I'm a Christian, and by the way, Christian and saved is two different things. I'm defining saved means you've asked Jesus to come into your life. You've asked Him to be your Savior. You've prayed. You've called on the Lord. He saved you. But maybe you backslidden. Christian just means I'm following Jesus. You can go the other way. You cannot follow the Lord. So, if you're, you can be a say, excuse me, a, a mean saved person, but you cannot be a mean Christian. That's opposites. Okay, that's not the same. And so, <clears throat> the, I want to talk about real quick. Before we get in old things and new things, a radical transformation. I'll use an example of Chuck Colson. I created a collage here. And just <clears throat> amazing thing. Matter of fact, the title of the message this morning is called Born Again. Now, if you're familiar with history, and of course if you're, you know, <clears throat> my age or older, you remember this president, Okay. I remember watching it live whenever he got onto the helicopter and after his resignation and we first time that uh, that had ever happened and in uh, that particular way anyway. And so he had a right hand guy and he was known as Hickson Nixon's uh, hatchet man. And it was this guy right here, Charles or Chuck Colson. Chuck just being short for Charles. Uh, he just passed away in 2012. And even to the day of his death, there were people who still doubted that he was a changed man. But after uh, Nixon's reelection in 1972, they had done a lot of unscrupulous things. And, of course, the famous recordings in the Oval Office and other things in the Watergate break-in and all the history that comes with that. And this guy right here was the on the forefront of a lot of the illicit things that they had done. Anyway, after they, they cut him loose. After he got reelected in 1972, they cut him loose. And he was trying to reestablish his law firm. He was a top-notch, uh, got a lawyer degree and all that good stuff. And... But he ran into this fellow named Tom Phillips, who was the CEO of this big company. And they were talking about, you know, needing a lawyer, this and that. And Tom Phillips said, let me tell you about something that has changed my life. Tom Phillips had gotten saved. Remember, he's a big-time, multimillionaire CEO. He said, but my life was empty. My life was any Any witness to Chuck. Chuck started driving home. It was raining. It was at nighttime. And he said he pulled over the freeway outside of uh, Washington, D.C. or Virginia or exactly where. It's not pre all pretty close up there. And he pulled over. He never made it home. He was just bawling and squirming.
squalling and crying. He realized his life was also empty and wasteful. Long story short, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He realized that his life was empty and wasted. And so, and then he went in and and he was trying to live life and figure it out. His wife, who's uh, Patty is her name, and she was raised Catholic. And he said, have you ever heard of being saved and being just transformed? She said, I never have. Anyway, long story short, later on she ended up getting saved. And uh, But <clears throat> neat story. And so you see here several pictures, him in the Nixon White House, uh, him being posed here, and, of course, him working in prison. He got, uh, because of the Watergate deal, and he had, a, he had a deal, a plea bargain, that was offered to him by the Attorney General. And the plea bargain, though, would mean he would miss prison, but he would have to lie in order to accept the plea bargain. This is the cool thing. It doesn't sound cool to our flesh. And he said, but this would kill my... He was excited. He was soaking up. He was soaking up the Bible. He was soaking up Christian literature. He was just reading everything. And he said, if I'm a Christian, if I'm a... Remember what I said? There's a difference between being saved and being a Christian. If I'm a Christian, if I accept this plea bargain, it means I'm going to have to publicly lie. And his friends outside of his circle of Christian friends said he has gone crazy because he went and he confessed. The judge sentenced him to a couple of years or what the time frame was. And so he ended up in the federal penitentiary in Alabama. And while in there, God broke him. While he was in there, his family started suffering because of the lack of income. While he was in there, uh, his son overdosed on drugs. While he was in there, the Virginia uh, Bar Association disbarred him from practicing law ever again in the state of Virginia. While he was in there, God was breaking him and molding him so one day that he could come up with this organization called Prison Fellowship but I just want to read to you a quote from his book. And he's, he's in there and he had just received a visit from a Christian friend of his. And he was down, he was discouraged, he had heard about, his, of course, all the things that were falling apart. And he said, you've got to give all your problems to God, Chuck. And this is the quote he prayed. And this is in his book. If this is what it is all about then i thank you i praise you for leaving me in prison for letting them take away my license to practice law yes even for my son being arrested and on drugs i praise you for giving me your love through these men for being god and just for letting me walk with jesus and that was his quote and so many times, and, and if you ever want to read it, the book is called Born Again. And it's his testimony. He started this. This is the largest Christian organization in prisons today all over the world. Okay? It's got like 50,000 volunteers. The next one, the, the next slide that uh, we have is, is one about uh, Angel Ministries. I think I put it in there. I don't know. But Angel Tree Ministries and, and whatnot also, which is an a division of prison fellowship, and I might not have. 
But uh, what it is is this thing under prison fellowship, it has angel tree ministries. It also provides gifts to the kids whose dad are in prison at Christmas time, which is pretty cool because obviously their breadwinner's gone. Let's quickly go to John chapter 3 and verse 1. Born again, there was a man in John chapter 3 and verse 1. I call this guy an old church guy, <laughs> an old church guy. You know why? Because he was going to the first uh, Pharisee, Sadducee, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopalian, whatever church. That was before all that. So he was going to this big name church, Nicodemus. He was a, he was a leader of the Jews. He's a, uh, he's a religious guy. And the Bible says, and he's telling him, first time this has ever been phrased, ever, Jesus is telling this guy, he's so scared of his uh, co-workers, he's so scared of the other preachers in town, that he comes to Jesus by night. The man, Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, okay, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see. I like it when the Bible's just plain. Sometimes the Bible's not clear because of old English, or it's not clear because of the way God wants us to take it by faith. But this is pretty clear. You want to get to heaven, you got to be born again. <laughs> you want to be with Jesus forever, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a graduate, a college graduate. And you know what this saying did? It went, shoo! <laughs> that saying went right over his head. It went, shoo! Because what? He said, wait a second. You mean I've got to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Oh, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. And, of course, Jesus compared it to the wind blowing. He can, you can't see it, but you know it's there. Being born again is trusting Jesus as your Savior. He went on, of course, the most famous verse in all the Bible is in this same chapter, of course, which is, of course, verse 16. But verse 4 says this. Nicodemus said, I just don't understand what are you talking about being born again when he's old? Verse 5, Jesus said, Except a man be born of water, that's the fleshly birth, and of the spirit, that's the spiritual birth, because he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He is just making it real plain, because verse 6 just kind of is a commentary on the previous verse. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, water, birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I got so tickled at Allie sitting up here earlier. You might get hit by what? A mom with little babies. And, you know, why has she got babies on the brain? Well, of course, she's got brand-new twin sisters, okay? And then, of course, Jesus wraps it up with verse 7. Speaking of birth, mar don't be marvel not. just means this. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if I say to you, you must be born again. Now, folks... Uh, the reason I'm preaching this and the reason that a lot of ch people have trouble with churches today is people come to church and then they see, they look around, and this is, by the way, this is your flesh and my flesh too. We look around and we say, well, I know what you did last Saturday. 
I know what you did last Saturday. I know how you talk at home. I know how you talk at work. I know how, because born again means I'm trying to live for the Lord. Born again means I'm saved. Born again means there's a change in my life. And that's what happened with this guy. Matter of fact, if you go ahead and, and head to John chapter 13, uh, excuse me, John chapter 19, verse 39, and just look at that. There came also, this is after Jesus died. You say, we don't know if Nicodemus got saved or not from that conversation that took place back in John 3. But the Bible says here, the, there came also Nicodemus, which, remember, he came to Jesus by night. That's pretty cool the way it says it there, right in God's Word. And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. In other words, he's helping with the funeral bill of Jesus. He's helping bury Jesus. As a matter of fact, this thing, this part couldn't be done privately. This part was done publicly. So he's done by this time, after three years or whatever the case is, he's, he says, I don't care what anybody else thinks anymore. I'm going to publicly stand up for this guy. I've seen what he's done in folks, Nick, in we see it here, and he took and helped bury Jesus. And so you must be born again. Head to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. Paul's writing here, and he's using the same stuff that he wrote to the book of Corinthians. talking about your old way of living and now your new way of living. If you're saved, there should be a difference in your life. Now, folks, I've been preaching but I'm about to go to meddling. But I've got scriptural authority to do so. You ready? Ephesians 4.22 Y'all need to grow up and start acting like Christians. Who said that? Michael Reese? No, Paul. <laughs> I'm just putting it in country boy terminology. You put off... That's what he's saying. The weight, former conversation, y'all know what this says, 1611 English, the way you used to live, former conversation, manner of life, manner of living, which is the old man, the corrupt, the way you, the what you used to like, to, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay? And now, you ready? Here's what you're desiring. And folks, this is just like a shirt. I walked into my bedroom and <clears throat> my wife had picked out my shirt, had it ironed. And guess what I did? <laughs> I put it on, okay? What does God want you to do with your new life? It says here, put on the new man. It's your choice. Once you get saved, you still have a choice to listen to this or listen to the Word. Listen to Him. Listen to God. Listen to the Holy Spirit who's inside of you. And then you say, well, I thought when you got saved, you just automatically quit lying, automatically stop being mean, automatically stop your old... No. It's still a choice. You can still hang out with your old friends. You can choose Christian friends. You can pull. You can choose people who pull you away from God, or you can choose people who pull you to God. You can choose... To say, well, it's too hard. I just don't, I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can change. That's like saying, God, I give up on you, but He never does give up on you, does He? 
You may give up on God, but He'll never give up on you. Amen? And so, and that's why He says, No, by the way, I'm reading from the book of Ephesians. Y'all know what that is? That's a letter to a, not some... Uh, and, oh, by the way, they didn't even have a church building. <laughs> this church was meeting in a house. Okay? Somewhere. The church at Ephesus. And He's writing to them, and you need to what? Verse 25, Y'all need to stop lying. You need to stop lying to your friends and your neighbors. Oh, you look so nice. You're just an awesome person. Man, that's the stupidest idiot I've ever met. You know, that's the way a lot of cultures, that's that's normal. That's normal in America. That's normal here in Ashley County. A man to your face, I'm one way. But as soon as you walk away, I'm another way. That's not a child of God. That's not a Christian. Well, you may be a child of God, but that's not a Christian. Okay, and it's right, it's right here. I'm not making this up, am I? It's right here in the Bible. And look at verse 26. Be angry. Oh, and sin not. Man, I'll tell you to, you know, and then it said, be angry and tell each other off. <laughs> No, it doesn't say that. Be angry and call you every name in the book and tell you to hush and shut up and go do this and go jump in a lake and I don't care what you do with your life because you're trash. And we, people do that and they're supposed to be Christians. But it doesn't say that right there, does it? Verse 27 says, you're either giving place to the devil or you're not. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good. That he, why do this? So that you can help out other people. That's verse 28. Look at verse 29. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. Brother Michael, don't preach on verse 29. Please, please, please don't preach on verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Your words that you speak are building people up. That, that word edifying means you're either lifting people up or you're tearing them down. Why would the Bible put that in there? Because we need it. We need it. Because this, I and you say, hey, you want to say something, and, you, and, and then if you, you, your Christian save part of you goes, and like a rubber band, and hopefully it just sucks it back in and you don't say it. Because you may think it, that just means you sinned this far. But if you say it, then you've sinned here and there. Okay? Somebody say, well, if you think it, you might as well say it. That's not in the Bible. You wrote your own Bible. And that's, that's called culture, and that's called, uh, you know, your theology. That's not in the Bible. It still means we sin, we just sin right here. You have a choice. So I need to, hey, corrupt, are you, you going to, basically this, let's wrap up verse 29 real quick. You're either tearing people down by the way you talk and what you say about them, or you're building them up. That's verse 29. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, which means 
inside. And when you're telling people off and telling them to shut up, you're also telling the Holy Spirit to shut up. Because you're, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're saying no to what God is saying for you to do or not do. And then it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking, but put away with you with all malice. In other words, I want to say things to hurt people. I want to say things to belittle people. And a lot of times people want to tear others down, just make themselves look bigger. And that's our flesh. And then... That's what. That's the old person. And then finally, verse 32, he gets to the new person, the, the new man. And the new man says this. Well, hey, y'all need to be kind to one another. Ephesians 4.32, tenderhearted. And forgive one another if somebody does you wrong. Because why? Because Jesus did the same thing for you. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Real quick, head to, this is a lot shorter, but just real quick, going to hit the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That just means patience. I think Chuck said he dealt with long-suffering this morning in his class. That just means patience. Does, uh, would... Now, this is not praying for patience, so don't feel scared. But how many of you would just be willing to say, I could, I could use some more patience? Anybody want to do that? Just lift your hand up. You're, you're okay. And half of the people are not wanting to tell the truth. Okay. And, um, and so I could use some more patience. I could use some of this. If you're saved, it's in there. It's in here. You just have to let him work it, work it out in you, okay? Let him help you, okay? Gentleness, goodness, faith. And then it says meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness means I have the ability to jump down your throat, but I'm not going to because Jesus is my example and he's also my Savior. And so I'm going to meekness is strength under control. Meekness is Jesus hanging on the cross looking down and said, you know, I could call about 10 gazillion angels down here and I could whip all of y'all, but I'm not going to. He said that. I could call 10 legions of angels and all this. But I'm not, I'm I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I love you and I'm going to give my life for you. All these things against such there is no law. Verse, <clears throat> the next verse, verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the afflict flesh with the affections and lust if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit y'all want to put verse 25 plain jane if you're saved if you're talking the talk it's time to walk the walk live a changed life live a changed life let us not be desirous of vain glory hey y'all look at me look at me it's all about y'all know what Lift other people up. Make other people more important than you. If you lift up other people to God, you're doing exactly what Jesus asked you to do. Provoking one another. Envying one another. What is the Lord's will for you this morning? A changed life. I know what it is. 
What is the, what is a changed life? It means that I'm not, I'm not going to sit on this good news anymore. What is a changed life? It means I'm going to live differently now. What is a changed life? It means Jesus is in here and it's time to let others see him. And if I haven't, whatever's been getting you in trouble is coming from this right here. Our flesh. It's still, even though you're saved, God's not going to force you to live for Him. It's still your choice to live for Him. But please, let us not be the stumbling block. People see Jesus, but they trip over us, and they never make it to the cross. Because we were the stumbling block that kept them from finding Jesus. They say, if all Christians are that away, then why do I need a Savior? And they spend eternity in hell because we were the stumbling block. We're saved. But are we living a changed life as we get ready for a hymn of invitation? Father, as we bow our heads, Father, just giving you this, this service, letting your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. As your Word says, if, if we're in you, and we're a new creation. A brand new creation. Help us to choose to live for You. Your Word is full of all these verses that tell, tell us it's, it's, a, it's still a choice. You're in there and You're, you're wanting control. You're wanting to, to help us, to guide us, to lead us. And help us to give, that, give our life to You totally. To let go. And kind of like Chuck Colson just saying, God, if, if it's your will, whether it be prison, whether it be suffering, whether it be hard times, I give all my problems to you. In Jesus' name, amen.